Welcome to the Love Good Podcast brought to you by our patrons, where you learn how to love what is good and become what you love. This is Jimmy Mitchell, your host. Join me each week as I sit down with artists and thought leaders to chat about media, culture, and the art of being human. We're more than a subscription company. Love Good is a movement of artists, patrons, and young people who believe in the power of beauty to change the world. And we're so pumped you're here. What's up, everybody? Thanks so much for tuning in. You're listening to Season 3, Episode 2 of the Love Good Podcast. If you're looking for Pints of the Aquinas by Matt Frad or Word on Fire with Bishop Barron or Rabbit Room with Andrew Peterson, you have come to, um, let's just say, the right place. Maybe this is exactly where you were supposed to be today. And we are so excited to have you joining us because today I am sitting down with Father Ryan Adorjan. All right, he's one of our new regular contributors on the podcast. We'll sit down with him once every four to six weeks. He's an old friend. He's actually one of our highest level patrons. He's the official unofficial chaplain of Love Good, which basically means he comes in several times a year to be with our apprentices and now to be with you on the Love Good podcast. And as I mentioned last week on our episode with Marie Miller, he's somebody that just captures so much of the human experience in words. Even though he's not necessarily an artist himself, he was an actor growing up. He's now a very young, newly ordained Catholic priest, but again, a very dear friend. And he's somebody that listens to a lot of the same music that I listen to. And we read a lot of the same books and we're very aware of the power that words and creativity and really beauty have in capturing some of our deepest joys and struggles and dramas, right? That in fact, especially for those of us who aren't artists, who aren't creative, it's hard to put some of that experience of our lives into words. And today we talk very much about the gift of artists to do that and to really invite us even more deeply in to the human experience because of that. So anyways, I cannot wait for you guys to hear this conversation with Father Ryan about halfway through it. We're going to make a very special announcement about a brand new live album that you can download for free from Love Good and Love Good Alone. So obviously hang tight for that. But right now I want you to hear this beautiful live track from our very own Nick Fabian. It's called How Do You Do That? It's currently only available on YouTube. And again, we'll be telling you soon how you can download this and many other tracks like it. So check this out, Nick Fabian, How Do You Do That? And oh, she's like Eminem's man, I can get enough, she's melting in my hands like, whoa, she's getting up the dance, so let me get my blue suede shoes on the dance Going through the motion, trying to give them my devotion, every day's a new day, baby, let's go sail across the ocean, oh, I know I'm not a player, but you play with my emotion, is there something in this room, did you sip a magic potion like, whoa, I like the way you move it I like the way you groove moving, make me lose it Baby, would you show me how you do it? Cause you got the most to make me feel right Makes me wanna have the time of my life I'm like, how do you do that? How do you do that? How do you do that, girl? And you got the most to make me feel right Little pretty face lifts me up at night I'm like, how do you do that? How do you do that? How do you do that, girl? Father Ryan Adorjan, welcome to the Love Good Podcast. Thank you. It's Here good we are. To be back. Yeah, I was gonna say season one, episode who knows what, seven or eight. I mean, it was early on. It was early. You weren't even a Catholic priest yet. No. So that's no. crazy. I think I was a little deacon at the time. Yeah, and we had really just met actually. Well, like a year ahead of time because it was wasn't it the same year? year. Yeah, it's already a year. year. Yeah. Whoa. I'm positive. So I've known you for three years. Yep. 
That's exciting. Yeah. And we're in Nashville right now, which is super exciting. You're in town for a few days. Beautiful. Hanging out with the apprentices. We had an incredible house concert just a few days ago. You saw for the first time who? Nick Fabian. Yeah. Who's he, become a new favorite. Yeah. I was going to say, what is it about Nick? What is it about Lovegood? Hold off on that question because actually, what is it really <laughs> that has sparked now three years of friendship, three years of hanging out, bantering, and loving life? Loving all that is good and true and beautiful together. Of all of my friends who don't live in Nashville, you're one of the ones I see the most frequently, yes. which I feel really good about, yes. you know? But there's like a, a bit of a like surprising origin to our friendship. We For were just sure. at a conference together. Yeah, we were at a conference in my home diocese of Joliet. I remember that, you know, you were following two years of, of Matt Frad, if you remember that. Yeah, that's never easy. Yeah, and we, somebody said, oh, Jimmy Mitchell's coming this year, and we said... Okay. Who's that? Who is that? We don't know. And we really don't care. But now we do care <laughs> because it was just clear. I mean, there was something about, I think, the way that you talk, the way that you spoke that made me kind of think, huh, sounds like this guy has a lot of the same inspiration as me, the same movement of our hearts. Mm -hmm. It seems like they kind of jive together. So then we started talking, remember? And I think we started with Michael D. O'Brien, and we? And Island of the World. Favorite living novelist. Maybe now in some sort of heated race with Andrew Peterson. I mean, there's yeah. only so many writers who put out fiction that immediately feels like a classic to me. Amen. You know, Amen. And, and those Do you think we could get them to collaborate? Oh my gosh. I almost wouldn't want them what to. What does that even look like? Can no, authors no, do I, that? I wouldn't want them to. Because you, yeah. you'd have to take away from each of them to make those it work. Those are two different minds, but wow, those are two really yeah. good hearts that at least should know each other. Amen. Who probably Maybe don't. they do. Maybe they'll watch this and listen to this episode and then they'll think, hmm, who are they talking about? Yeah. Strike up a friendship. The problem with Michael D. O'Brien, I think, is that he very much lives the life of a hermit. I mean, he's got like six kids or something, which is great. In the Canadian wilderness, but, I, I mean, think. He is, he is homesteading in the middle of nowhere, Canada. Yeah. Not easy to access. No. no Andrew way. Peterson is like 20 minutes from downtown Nashville. Also homesteading. Also kind of doing the farm life, but still a bit of an urban cowboy, you know? That's right. Yeah. That's right. Michael so, D. O'Brien's an oak in winter. Yeah. Have you read that poem? From no, him? no, no, no. Oh, man. I have a hard time with poetry, to be honest. I don't know if it's a poem or if it's just short prose. Mm -hmm. I don't really remember, but. Yeah. But he was the first one, I think, Island of the World and what, Theophilus, maybe we talked about. But then it was yeah. the Oh Hellos. Oh, yeah. That's the one that carried us through, I think. Here they are, right behind me. Is that me. your favorite of the albums? Which one is that? Dear One? Is that it's like the Dear second? Wormwood. That's second uh, the length? second one, yeah. yeah. Through the Deep Dark Valley is the first one, I think. That's yeah. the one I listen to on repeat. That's like Mumford and Sons babble for me. I just will never get tired of it. You got to, I have moods, you know what I mean? So Yes, I do know, actually. Deep dark, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you may see some of them here in the next few minutes, but um, Through the Deep Dark Valley is like my melancholic feeling, kind of like really, you know, like really kind of a, a Yutz album. Mm. I've made mistakes. The, the word of used to scrub. Uh, yeah, Yutz for sure. We don't use it enough. But then, Dear Wormwood, you know, I mean, I'm in my literary thing then. I love to listen to that while I write, while I, you know, come up with homilies. Yeah. Stuff. But then my all-time favorite Oh Hello's album is the Family Christmas album. Really? The all-time favorite. Oh, wow. All-time favorite. I listened to it on the way from the parish where I was living at the time to the cathedral on my ordination day. Dang. And the guy who was driving with me, we... We danced to that thing in the middle of May. Crazy. I just listened to it the other day. I will dance to that thing in the car like crazy. Mm. It's kind of my pump-up album, you know? This is eye-opening. I didn't expect that. Yeah. I also think it's worth just pausing on that word melancholic for a moment because you first encountered that word as a child reading... 
Narnia. Yeah. Yeah. Tell, Mr. Tell us, Tumnus. Tell us about Mr. Tumnus. <clears throat> Mr. Tumnus. There's a, a kindredness there. Absolutely. Yes. C.S. Lewis introduces him as sort of melancholy. And I remember as a kid, we, you know, asked, what is melancholy? And the teacher said, oh, well, it's kind of sad. So then I was always afraid of being melancholic, but melancholic doesn't mean sad. It can be sad, but it's just sort of this tendency. It's one of the temperaments, you know, and I think it's a temperament that is easily led into reflection, deep thinking and feeling and connecting head and heart together. It's another great band, Head and Heart. Mm. So it's not necessarily sadness, although a lot of times it, a sad thing will precipitate that the word. It will encourage or start this sort of feeling of reflection. Mm -hmm. So it's not sad. I don't think it's meant to be sad. Because, I mean, that's like saying Charlie Brown is sad. And he's... Charlie Brown is a sad, sad Oh, he is sad. Yeah. Okay. Well, I played Charlie Brown. I know. As I think you know, in uh, a former life. 17, 18 years old? You were in high school? I was 18. Yeah, I was 18. Wow. It was my last show I ever did, actually. You said you didn't even have to act? I was art? like not acting. Yeah, it was no, you? It was just me. I'm just Charlie Brown. So yeah. Charlie Brown, I think, is melancholic, but he is not sad in the sense that he's going to go weep, but he does sort of have a very tried and true existence. Yeah. And he feels everything very deeply. He yeah. notices, for example, you might remember, he's, he's in love with the little red-haired girl. What's her name? I don't think we ever know. Oh. Not in the musical anyway, we never know. The little red-haired girl. I once really was in love with the little red-haired girl, but... That's a different story. Oh, it's hurting. No, I'm just we're kidding. not going to go for that. No. Um, anyway, <laughs> but Charlie Brown notices that in class one day she's chewing on her pencil. Mm. He gets excited. She chews her pencil, and the people are like, oh, "Okay." And he just says, "It means she's human." Ah, uh, that is melancholic. Interesting. I think in a nutshell. Yeah. Deep feeling, deep noticing, deep ability to affirm, to notice, but also a lot of it is sort of this way. Mm -hmm. So a hard time receiving the love of other people. Yeah. You know, so the whole title of that show is You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. And that's kind of how it ends with the people rallying around him and after all the mistakes he's made, after all the kites that he's crashed, after all the, you know, Valentine's Day things that he's ruined, they all gather around him and say, you are a good man, yeah. Charlie Brown. I mean, how many... And he has a hard time receiving it. How many kites have you crashed down through the years? Are you, are you in the hundreds? I'm not a kite crasher. Yeah. Not typically. I'm That's typically good. a very successful kite pilot. Ah. But I do it so infrequently, <laughs> so I would say I have a pretty good ratio, but... What's the, I mean, you're obviously not living in Chicago, but no. you spend a lot of time in the Windy City. We don't yeah. have the easiest attempts at flying kites down here in, in Nashville. No. What's that like back home for you? Windier, generally speaking? So the, the Windy City is not called the Windy City because of the wind. Okay, no. enlighten me. No, it was a kind of meant to be a, a sort of jab, if you want, at politicians. That oh, they, I've heard They talk this. so much. Really? Yeah. Chicago is notoriously one of the most corrupt places on earth. Yeah. The state of Illinois is even more corrupt. Lots of people leaving and coming to Nashville from there, in fact, to move. Is that good for us or bad? It's good for you. I yeah. mean, economically, but like culturally speaking, what do you think? Are these the good ones leaving? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I've had good. this very simple thought lately. All of them are good. They're from you, Illinois. You can't have good culture without good people. That's true. And I think Nashville does sort of attract a lot of good people. We're Can you spoiled. have good people without good culture? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, maybe there'd be a bit of a microcosm of culture, you yeah. know, but it's hard. Yeah. I say that left and right. One of our patrons was actually just down from Boston. Well, he works in Boston. He lives in New Hampshire. 
an amazing guy. Shout out to Denny Carr. He's been one of our patrons since day one. Is his name Danny or Denny? Danny. Danny. Dennis goes by Denny. So with your accent, it still sounds like Danny, but... Seriously? Okay, yeah, Danny. Is that a Danny. southern accent? His, his name's been, Danny. You know, I, I spent my most formative years in life in the great state of Tennessee. Like birth to age four almost. I was born in Atlanta, but we moved pretty quickly to Johnson City, Tennessee. And then college. So four years at Vanderbilt. Yeah. I'd like to think I have a southern accent. Do I? You do. It comes you out do. probably more in moments like this because yeah. I want to... Well, you get excited about yeah. it. And we're drinking southern pecan coffee. Southern here. pecan. Love so, good coffee. Love good coffee. For those who aren't at our highest level of patronage, you're you're missing out. You're missing out. So anyways, Denny this was telling me... This is one of the best benefits of being a patron, by the it's way. It's true. It's worth mentioning, Father, that you are our highest level of patron. There's only one other at your level, which is a bit of a secret level. We don't even have to mention amounts or what perks come with that. Yeah, please don't. But it's exciting yeah. and uh, affirming. It overdraws my bank account every month. <laughs> no, it does not. No, no I'm, just kidding. Not. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Back to Denny Carr. He was in town and he's like, Jimmy, you know, like I'm living in New Hampshire and there's just not community, much less culture around me where I can really thrive. Mm. So if it wasn't for his his patronage with love good if it wasn't for our friendship that has come out of that i mean i get a text message from him at least once a week about something epic or philosophical or really artsy and you know he's constantly sitting down at those pianos all over chicago chicago boston and just plays you know sometimes for an hour at a time and like the train station piano kind all of thing? those things That's you awesome. know and i don't know how he finds the ones that are actually tuned but i think he just has his way of bringing beauty into his life even where it is hardest to find it, you yeah. know? And that's pretty inspiring. And I don't know, I think there's some level of melancholic in every artist for sure. For sure. And usually the best artists are like full-blown melancholic. And, you know, at times, like at the worst end of the spectrum, like really struggle with life in general. Yeah. These are the folks who are depressed and sometimes even suicidal. Yeah. A lot of the best people out of Hollywood, the most creative minds out of Hollywood just can't live amidst all the world's imperfections sometimes, you know? Yeah. We'll be back in just a moment with Father Ryan Adorjian. Well, as promised, here is the big announcement. Okay, for the first time since June, we are releasing a free mixtape, a free download, music that you actually can't get anywhere else. And historically, we've put out everybody from Judah and the Lion and Drew Holcomb all the way down to Scott Mulvihill and many of our own Love Good artists on these seasonal mixtapes. But now you can download for the first time ever our Fireside Sessions, right? We've put these out on YouTube. We've been trickling these videos out for a couple couple of years, but now you can download just the audio absolutely for free and you can't find it anywhere else. This will never appear on Spotify. It'll never appear on Apple Music. So go to lovegoodculture.com slash free. Download your own personal copy of the Fireside Sessions. This is high quality MP3 downloads that you can own forever, okay? We're not just going to stream for the rest of our lives here, people. There are some things that are just that good that you want to own them. And this is one of those things. So tell all your friends, tell your crazy uncle, tell your neighbors next door, lovegoodculture.com slash free. We cannot wait to hear what you think. How do we make sense of that? Because I'm not that melancholic. I have my moments, like whenever I'm You're not. really being creative, <laughs> which is like, you know, a Sunday afternoon, every now and then a lonely Friday night, Yeah, you know? But otherwise, I'm just pretty happy, Yeah, naturally disposed to be hopeful and optimistic, you know? How do we explain these temperaments? I mean, even this morning, we were chatting about how, 
you know, in, in a sense, how we are hardwired, our temperament, you could say our personality too, um, affects virtue and vice, things that we're more inclined to or not, things that are more a struggle and things that aren't. That's really mysterious to me, but also incredibly cool because it means everybody has a different sort of journey this side of heaven. Yeah. You know, what does that look like and where does that all come from and how long have you known about temperaments and cared? Yeah, I mean, there's a book, The Temperament God Gave You, which I, I don't, I'm not sure how to explain the divine origin of the temperaments. You know, are they yeah. infused in the soul? Are they faculties of the soul? Are they just more nurture? <clears throat> I don't think so. I mean, I think part of it is definitely perhaps genetic. You know, a lot of people can be very similar to their parents. Right. Especially if you have a very kind of choleric or a take mm. charge kind of parent, you're often to have a similar qualities in kids. But then sometimes, you know, like if you were to like meet my dad, I don't know that you would say, oh man, you're a really melancholic guy, you know? Yeah. He's pretty sanguine actually, kind of outgoing and funny and upbeat. You're very sanguine for sure. Mm -hmm. The fourth one would be phlegmatic, sort of. A lot of people interpret this as like a mouth breather, you know? <laughs> you know? But like, no, I mean, phlegmatic is just sort of someone who's naturally disposed yeah. to being cool with it. And to rolling with it. Peaceful. These are the kind of people you can just rest in the presence of. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, you, you typically talk about the, the top two temperaments. You know, what's your first, your primary, and your secondary. And every time I've taken the test, it's always been number one is mel melancholic and number two is sanguine. Ah. And everybody says that that's not possible because choleric and phlegmatic are opposed and sanguine and melancholic are opposed. So you can't, you're not supposed to have the top two be ones that are opposed to each other. Interesting. But you know what? I say, take a look at me, baby. <laughs> Come and get to know me. You know what I mean? And you'll see that actually it might be true because I always say that I'm so funny and then I like to reflect on how funny I am, uh, <laughs> which you, know, you take that for how you want it. But yeah, I think the temperaments are extremely important, at least I think the temptation can be kind of what we're seeing right now with like, well, I didn't mean to murder that man, but I'm a Libra. It's what Libras do. You Yikes. know, I'm a Taurus. That's, I just run stoplights officer. You know, we're seeing a lot of this sort of, this explains it. This gets me out of it. That's right. Because when you remove any kind of sort of divine gift out of it, when you take out of it, any kind of metaphysical side like maybe this is a gift to me this isn't just something i'm stuck with this is not something i can't control you know we all know people who are sanguine and who bounce off the walls a hundred percent of the time yeah and it's funny for the first 10 minutes that you know them and then after that you want everybody regardless of temperament wants something deeper there yeah they want to go somewhere with you so we have to be careful and not allow the temperaments to sort of be excuses for the way that we behave mm -hmm but rather help us to explain perhaps why are we more naturally disposed to certain things versus other things, mm -hmm. you know? As a sanguine person, and especially as a sanguine person who has a platform like a priest does, always in front of people, always sort of leading things, talking to people, big groups, that sort of stuff, the sanguine, I think, is more naturally disposed to the vices maybe of vanity, or of kind of vain glory in that way. Whereas the phlegmatic person really maybe wouldn't struggle with that so much because they're more at peace with that aspect. But whereas the choleric is more of a go-getter, you know, the melancholic or phlegmatic might have trouble getting going. Getting going. They might be a little ascetic at times. They might be a kind of, yeah, lacking that kind of oomph to really get going. So, and to say, okay, 
I understand now, like this is a, this is a part of me. This is a name that I've given to this aspect of my natural disposition, but that doesn't mean it defines me. And it doesn't give me an excuse not to go out and live a wholehearted life, not to go out yeah. and, and live the life that I've been asked and created to live. Wholehearted. Wholehearted. That's a word that I've obviously seen my whole life. Yeah. And have a, a new friend who uses it frequently. You know, she, she says that she can't be anything but wholehearted. And I haven't really like dug into that yet. Yeah, you should ask what she means. What do you mean by it? So the wholehearted life for me is the integrated life. Mm. I steal the word wholehearted from my friend Brene Brown. Yeah. We're not friends. I've never met her in life, but she's the man, the girl, the woman. I don't know what we say. She's awesome. She's the bomb. She's incredible. She's the yeah. bomb.com. Mm. Do you think there is a bomb.com? I think that was something we said about 15 years ago, Father. Cool. Yeah, yeah. no. So as a celibate, you just sort of get <laughs> automatically by the grace of orders taken back about 15, yeah. 20 years. We'll talk about that this morning. I mean, yeah. you're allowed to be things like grumpy at times because you're a priest. Is that how that yeah, works? No, we don't, I mean, I don't want to say grumpy. I like to think I'm delightful at all times. It's true. But perhaps a little jaded and off-putting. Yeah. <laughs> like instead of being 27 like I am, maybe through the spirit, I'm actually 67. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Just sort of, I've, I've, I've seen it all. I've, yeah. No, that's not true. I've not seen anything. So wholehearted, I think, just is a... For me, it is another way of expressing the integrated life that mm. I have all these things, all these components of my life, all these facets of myself, my exterior life, the things I do, the people I work with, the way I look, et cetera, the stuff that's happened to me, my environment that I've grown up in, the facts of my life, the experiences and encounters of my life. But then you have the whole interior world too. And I think to be wholehearted, it requires us to navigate the interior world, mm. whether that's through prayer or through therapeutic counseling or through vulnerable interactions with friends. But to be wholehearted means to not be afraid of either one of those aspects. You know, a huge hero of mine is Father Giussani, Luigi Giussani from Italy. And he has these great ways of just talking about, he says, we need to roll up our sleeves and engage with reality. Mm. So much of our life, I think, is just us avoiding the things that will be difficult, the questions that will be difficult, the feelings that will be difficult. And that's, yeah. I think, why artists who are melancholic are so important. You know, think of in the Middle Ages, the role of the poets, well, the poets weep for us all, you know. Mm. And I think today it's stand-up comedians who take the role of these poets, but musicians and other kinds of artists as well, that they're weeping for us all. We feel in touch with their music because maybe I can't put a word, mm. I can't put a definition, I can't precisely give what's happening to me words. But then you have people who have done the work, who have suffered the suffering, who have encountered hardship and have moved through it. Mm. the help of grace and the help of other people. Mm. And they're able to bring us to a more human place. And what it means to be in a human place, I think, is to simply say, I am who I am and nothing is censured. Not censored, censured. Nothing is tied up. Nothing is bound away. Everything mm. is on the table. My sleeves are rolled up and I'm engaging with reality and I'm accepting every part of myself even if I don't like it, mm. even if I know it needs to change, even if I know it's on the way to being changed, but I'm looking at myself and I'm saying, this person is good. This yeah. person is 
It's better that this person is here than not here. And all the facets of this person are worthy of grace. They're worthy of the light. And so I'm going to do the hard work to do that. Mm. But that requires a lot of stuff, vulnerability, good friendship, affirmation, mm. some downtime, you know, time in prayer. Yeah. It requires so much. But to be wholehearted is... To be free. To be free and to be human. Yeah. These are all synonyms, I think. I love it. And it's funny because we do talk a lot about the art of being human on this podcast, yeah. which sometimes is is can feel a bit vague. What does it really mean to cultivate the art of being human? What does it mean to be fully human and, and fully alive? It's everything you've just described. And there is a lesson for me to be learned so often from artists. Yeah so often from creatives, which is why it's such a joy to rally around Nick Fabian or, you know, I'm calling to mind an episode that is, you know, here releasing at the beginning of season three with Marie Miller, where we dig in pretty deeply into the difference between dreams, fantasies, and reality. Yeah. That in a sense, like a dream, you could say even comes from the heart of God, right? That it's rooted in reality and it's ultimately a gift for others. Fantasy is typically rooted in the ego, and it's really self-serving. The fact right? the cosmos according to me. That's exactly right. Fantasy. So so to engage with reality, as you said, to roll up the sleeves is to recognize who we are in the midst of, you know, all of our joys and struggles, strengths and weaknesses, temperaments and inclinations, right? But then to also say, I'm I'm never done being recreated or being renewed or being brought into a, a deeper experience of what it means to be human. Yeah. And with that comes, I hope, a, a joyful kind of restlessness, you know, not the kind of restlessness that that leaves us aching and turned inward, but rather aching and turned towards the horizon, yeah. you know? So it is a great joy because we are here at the beginning of season three. You're not just coming on as a guest this time. You're you're on as a contributor, wow. which is basically my way of saying that I so enjoy our friendship and our conversations <laughs> that, you know, once every couple of seasons will never be enough for the rest of the world. So this is we'll this let is the, the rest beginning. Of the world be the judge of that. I know this is the beginning of <laughs> of great things. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like before we close out, last thoughts on temperaments, last thoughts on the art of being human, wholeheartedness, and anything you want to close out with. Yeah. I just following up on your last point about. The art of being human and living a wholehearted life implies emotion. Mm. It implies movement, yeah. non-stagnation in where we are. That doesn't mean we don't plateau and it doesn't mean we don't slow down. Like when you, do you know what it's like to drive over ice in Nashville? Do you have ice on the roads Every in Nashville? Every now and then, not really. Though. You got a big patch yeah. of ice and you move over it and you take your foot off the gas. Yeah. But you don't slam on the brakes. That's right. You just go over it. Yeah. And then you keep going, you know? Yeah, There's yeah, sort of those yeah, periods yeah. of life, but it always implies motion. And I, I just, when you said that, I thought about Narnia. Mm. And what does Aslan say? Come, right? Further up, come further in. I love it. But he doesn't just say it one time. He says it over and yeah. over, even once they're inside of the true Narnia. He says it over and over again. So even when you're tasting fulfillment, there will always be room to go further up and to go further in. Yeah. So that, I think, can kind of be the rallying cry of the person in search of a wholehearted life yeah. is this moment is hard and I'm going to go further up into it and mm. I'm going to go further into it because I know that on the other side of it is going to be the truer Narnia, the truer me, the truer world. Yeah. That takes a lot of courage. So much courage. And perseverance. So much. And friendship and community because yeah. we just can't get after it's it alone. Important. 
further up and further in. Father Ryan, this is the beginning of, I think, great things to come. Looking forward and, to it. Uh, thanks for being a part of this. Sure. See you later. Peace. Next month. Yeah. I was hoping for a quiet life with you, but the cause was too great. The path was too true, so I packed up my bags and left what I know for all of this great unknown. You're listening to Homeland by Marie Miller, right off of our Fireside Sessions mixtape, currently only available and probably only ever going to be available at lovegoodculture.com slash free. So go download it alongside all these other amazing live tracks that we've been working hard on here in Nashville for the last couple of years. What a great joy to finally bring Father Ryan onto the podcast for more than just an episode. This is the beginning of many contributions that he'll be making to the Love Good podcast. Probably once every four to six weeks, you'll be hearing from him. And as I said before, what a privilege for me to sit down and have those conversations, right, about the things that really matter. And I just can't wait to keep pressing in further up and further in with Father Ryan as the months unfold. Uh, Y'all have been amazing. As always, getting the word out about this podcast means more than you know. And obviously, go and tell everybody about the free mixtape, the, the Fireside Session. That's a great way to, to really spread our movement and to help us get the word out. Uh, but also for those of you who are patrons, be on the lookout this week because you'll get an email from us inviting you to consider hosting a Fireside House concert later this winter or spring. We are currently actively booking for January, February, March, probably into April as well. So make sure you're on the lookout for that email from us. And we would love to come and do a beautiful night of music and culture right there in your living room or in your backyard. Y'all are amazing. As always, thank you for tuning in. And next week, know that we've got an incredibly special guest coming on. His name is Andrew Peterson. He's one of the the godfathers of of great music and great literature here in Nashville. I, I say that not so lightly. I mean, he's he's not even old enough to be a godfather like in the, the godfather sense, right? But he is a hero to so many of us here in Nashville. He's a singer-songwriter. He's also an author. He's someone that we have recently featured in our package to patrons, and we will feature again soon. And that will be a part of our conversation next week as well. So tune back in next week with Andrew Peterson. As always, hope you guys have an amazing, amazing rest of your week, and we'll see you soon. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to the Love Good Podcast. Tell your friends all about us. Follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and join our movement today by subscribing as a patron at joinlovegood.com. Start enjoying our exclusive content and seasonal packages that will raise your standard for music, books, and art and inspire you to build a better culture. We can't wait to accompany you as you change the world.